0: Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. have a seat. Good morning, all. Happy with you on a beautiful morning. Um, I'm happy to be here. I've got to say this before I start. um, Just sitting this morning before service and just chatting with a few people, um, I just love this place and this parish. Um, I really do. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be here. Um, And if you have the chance, come early and get coffee and just sit and chat out out in the the atrium with us. It's really a lovely time. Um, But I'm just thankful to be here and grateful for you all. This morning, um, we light the candle of joy. Um, although, unfortunately, for, maybe for many of us, it's through clenched teeth that we light that candle of joy. Um, I think this is maybe, I think I've done this week, in the past seven years, maybe this is my third time doing this. And it feels like every time I do it, I have to say like, oh, well, it's been a tough couple of years. So, I, I, you know what I mean? It feels like we're in a, we're in a long stretch of a tough couple of years. And we find ourselves kind of coming to this week and coming to this season perhaps not exactly where we want to be where it comes when it comes to joy. But I, I, what I love about this week, though, is just that beautiful hymn that, that Mary prays um, and how, you know, his, historians will tell you that, that, that she probably wrote that herself or it was kind of like you can't really find that in ancient. You can't find that in, in scripture or in ancient literature anywhere. Um, it was a, a Hebrew poem in, in its structure and just kind of this beautiful outpouring of her heart. Um, and it's such a, an amazing kind of example for us. Um, I mean, she, I'm sure that she was scared. Um, you know, she's a, she's a young woman. She, like all the things that are going wrong in her life as far as culture and those kind of things go. Um, but to be able to respond with such joy is a, is a model for us all. And for me, it's, it's how do I then Understand what joy is and how do I go about finding it in my life? Um, one of the books that, that's been very um, influential in my life, it, kind of in my journey with it in, in emotional, like dealing with emotions and emotional health, it was *The Voice of the Heart* uh, by Chip Dodd. I don't know if you read that book, um, but he he kind of says that there are um, eight emotions, and so I'm like, okay, I can deal with it. It's, you know, I, I can see where you're kind of shifting this one or you're cheating over here, whatever. It, you know. I'll go, I'll go with your with your formulation for eight emotions. But then as you read through, the emotions are hurt, lonely, sad, anger, fear, shame, guilt, glad. When I read that list, I was like, there's only one good emotion on the whole list, right? Like, I don't want to deal with bad emotions. I want like at least half and half, right? I'm, I'm okay to deal with some, with some with some heavy stuff, but give me half-good emotions, if you will. Um, but the, the the genius when you read through that book is that. He, you know, he talks about how each emotion is a gift. And it's how we express that emotion that, that kind of d- depends. So if, for anger, if, if we feel anger and we repress it, that leads to depression. But if we feel anger and we express anger pr- appropriately, that's passion. That's kind of where we, where we find that fire to do and to be who we are. Um, and so the last one, gladness, um, he describes it as actually when we allow ourselves to experience life in its full, in its comedy, and its tragedy, and its triumph, and it's in its failure. It's kind of a fullness of life and a fullness of heart. And so, in my mind, that gladness fully experienced is what joy is. Um, Arthur C. Brooks, a professor at Harvard, has written several books on happiness. Um, actually wrote a great book called Strength the Strength, which, um, if you haven't read Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, I recommend that, and then this one with it. They're both kind of on the second half of life, for the, for the older people in the congregation, you know what I mean? You youngsters can wait a while before you get into these books. but. Um, uh, but a great book on that, but he actually teaches on happiness at Harvard, um, and he has some fascinating insights, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about it now, but I want to come back to him later on, but um, first of all, though, he does change definitions a bit, so what he calls happiness, um, we would call joy, and what we would call happiness, because that's the distinction we often make when we talk about joy, is it's not happiness in the sense of it's not just pleasure, it's, it's a deeper sense than that. What we, what we would call happiness, he calls pleasure, just simple pleasure. Um, and interestingly, he talks about um, the metanutrients of joy, if you will. Um, you know, for those of us who are kind of watching what we eat here, uh, you know, the metanutrients of protein, carbs, and fats, and getting the balance right and all those things. He says that joy has metanutrients of enjoyment, satisfaction, and meaning. And that when we find those things together is when, when, we, when we have what we would call joy. Um, so it's not happiness it's not pleasure um and when we see kind of that by itself um you know we see kind of it's kind of pleasure without heart if you will it's entertainment it's distraction not necessarily a bad thing but it's not what we're looking for in joy um my my picture of this is happened when i was i think about seven years old um and it was a christmas morning um And on on Christmas morning, I I shared a room with my brother my entire life, pretty much. Actually, I have shared a room with someone all but seven days of my entire life. (laughs) Um, The glorious days of May 1st, when when we signed our lease on our first apartment, to May 7th, when we got married. I had a room to myself for seven days. (laughs) Um, But as a kid, I shared shared a room with my my brother. And on Christmas morning one year, um, we woke up. And our beds kind of were like this against the back wall. And in the middle of our room was this massive Christmas tree that was not there the night before, covered in lights and covered in candy and chocolates and cookies. Um, you could say that it was happiness for two little kids. Um, it was amazing. Um, the joy actually came later for me because um, years later, I found out the story of that tree. And it was that... Um, it was Christmas Eve. It was a full moon. We had fresh snow. I grew up in Western New York, and so my two sisters actually uh, grew up on a farm. And so my sisters took a horse and went out into the woods and cut that tree down and brought it because it was just they wanted they wanted to do something in the snow and in the in the in the moon. And so it's kind of this beautiful picture of like sisterly love and like this 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 beautiful pastoral scene. And so for me, it just it just filled in that story so much. more. And now, years later, looking back, um, uh, I lost my little brother on accident when we were both in our late 20s. And so now there's, the, there's that sadness that, that fills in even more of those things. But I think that actually enhances the joy. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, it's these times when we can find these things that, that are, A, pleasure, cookies on a Christmas tree is pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, joy, sadness, and, and bring together, and be glad, and, be, and, and find joy. But the, the the question, though, that I have this morning as well is, what if, what if, though, if if joy is severely lacking? Um, like I said, you know, these last we've had several, several, several years of what we'll call non-joy-producing years in our lives, um, and what we've been through and continue through are difficult. Um, it's kind of like when you have you can't just take one more thing, and three more things drop on you. Um, a lot of us have, have struggled and continue to struggle. And if, if you're struggling or if you know someone's struggling, this is a time for grace and mercy. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, they always talk about the, the holidays being a time where, where depression and anxiety kind of grow for, for a lot of people. And it's a time where um, you know, it's, not, it's, not something, it's not something we can easily pull yourself out of. If you've ever been in, in a time of depression in your life, um, it's very difficult. It's like being ca- caught in a riptide. Uh, you can't get out by yourself often. Um, and if, if, like, if your spouse is the same rip or if your friends are, like, we need people to pull us out of that. And so if, if that's you this morning, if, if you're like, you know, Christmas trees aside, there's no joy in my life right now, um, I do encourage you to reach out. Um, it, it, it's, it's for times like that when it's so important that we are this parish to be together. And I, and I mean, literally, I want just look around in this room, like, like we are your people. Um, and we are here. And one of the beautiful things about being in a little parish like this is that we, like you, we know most people. If you don't, there'll be opportunities to connect, get to know people. Um, but, but I also get to know so many stories in this, in this place. And so I know a lot of people have walked through what you're probably walking through right now. And so often we don't even want to name it. We don't, and I'll talk about it a little later, but we don't even want to put, a, put words to what we're feeling. Um, and if that's you, please do. Um, please do look around. Please do reach out. Please do connect. Reach out to a friend, reach out to Chad, myself, anyone in this room, really. Uh, if you need counseling, we have recommendations we can, we can send you to. Um, but know that in the midst of pain, joy is possible. Because um, joy is not, it's not everything is fine. That's not what joy is. Joy is it's fine that everything is not fine. And to, and to come to that point where we understand that we can be in pain, we can be in less than perfect circumstance, we can still find joy. And if, and, if, and if, like I said in that story, that, like, the sadness and pain can enhance our joy. Um, Khalil Gibran, I, I'm going to quote this every time I talk about joy, but he has a, one of his lines from a poem, Joy and Sorrow, says this The deeper that sorrow carves into our being, the more joy you can contain. And that is very true. Those who go through, um, you know, people who've been through recovery kind of speak of that, that deepened sense of gratitude that pain that leads to joy. So how do we do that? How can we have joy when everything kind of around us is maybe descending into chaos? How do we find those places? Um, I think because it's not a joy is not a circumstance. Happiness can be a circumstance. Pleasure can be a circumstance. Joy is not. It's really based on two unchanging things. It's based on the truth that God loves us, and it's, and it's based on the truth of his coming, his coming kingdom. The advent, as we know, is remember that that forty years of waiting, that the nation of Israel experienced waiting for the Messiah. It's a picture of our waiting for the for the return of Christ as well. So joy does not come from from everything being fine, but from holding on to that hope and that joy. And the beautiful thing too is, in, in this in this in this kind of journey we get to walk together, our gift is our joy. We are called to be people of joy, to be joyful. And the truth is is that we we have a God of love and a kingdom of hope, and that we have a joy that transcends circumstance. And it's a beautiful gift to give to the world. Richard Foster said it this way, Joy, not grit, is a hallmark of holy obedience. We need to be lighthearted in what we do, avoid taking ourselves too seriously. It is a cheerful revolt against self and pride. So it's a beautiful gift that we have, and for me, the, my question then is like, how do I? Are there ways that I can really step into that, into that? Um, I'm going to bring now bring Arthur Brooks back in the conversation. Um, if you haven't, he's got several like TED talks, and he's all over the place, basically on happiness. Um, he did a great TED talk. If you want to check that out, um, what he talks about—it's interesting. Um, I'm going to get very scientific now, and then I'll bring it back in a second. So, um, but he talks about how. Um, so often we allow our limbic system to be in charge. Our limbic system is kind of like this kind of back end of our brain of like, you know, all these thoughts and feelings and stuff that, that go on. Um, more of our reactive system, if you will. Um, like back in the day, it would tell you bear and you would run, You know, like you would have that sense and go. Um, nowadays, it, it kind of hangs out there and says like, you'll never make it, you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, like, you won't live up to your parents' expectations of you. Like all the little things that kind of nag in the back of our minds and kind of sit back there. Um, these fears and these, these voices. Um, it's, it's kind of also, it's kind of like the idea of like, you know, if you have way too much to do, how you can't think of the one thing, you can't think of one thing to do at that moment. It's just, it's kind of that overwhelming, all the things there, everything is, is around you. Um, and the thing they said that, that Brooke says that brings you out of that, he calls it uh, metacognition basically, is to bring these things to, the, to our prefrontal cortex to be processed. And when we do that, um, it kind of helps, to, helps us to kind of work through and then begin to be able to walk out what's going on. Um, so for instance, like talking to a friend, spiritual director, therapist, that's why talk therapy works, because we're, we're, actually, walk, we're actually working through these things instead of letting let them be kind of nebulous behind us. Um, but often we don't want to. That's the problem. It's, you know, it's this nagging back here, but I don't want to actually deal with it. Um, like when you know you should go to the doctor, but you don't. Or like, you know, my tooth, this doesn't hurt that badly. I think I can make it another month before I have to go to the dentist. Um, we, we don't actually want to face these things often. But it turns out that the key to joy in this is to be able to face it. And in that, Mary is a beautiful example of this. Um, you know, facing her fear and anxiety. And being able to articulate so well what she's joyful about. And it's interesting, um, he go, Brooks goes on in, in his talks and things, and talk, he gave some this is, this is fascinating to me. Maybe it's not to you, but just bear with me for a second. Um, interesting ways to kind of exercise it to go about it. He said one of the things that to do, and some of these make no sense to me, but he says they work, and I'm going to try them. So he says, write out any opinions you hold that you feel like anyone disagrees with you is a moron. Okay? So anything like that, write it out, write them all out, and then go through and cross them all out, basically. Basically releasing that feeling of that, I, that this is so important to me that, it, that this defines who I am and what I think. And just to, just to release those things. I don't understand it, but he says it works. Um, another one he says to do is called a failure journal, um, which is also fascinating to me. So, so, yeah, again, he's talking about happiness, but, but what he's, all the exercises are these negative things. Um, basically, when you experience failure write it down, and then leave two spaces below it. And then set a reminder for 30 days later. When you come back in 30 days, answer this question, what did I learn in that that experience? Then set another reminder for another 30 days, and come back, and then write down something good that has come out of that experience. Fascinating to me. I mean, and, and again, it, it shouldn't be fascinating to us because this is what we've been told over and over again. Like James, in his, James says this. He says, "Consider it joy when you are faced trials of any kind." Like we know that that, we're, that that hardship and joy go together, but we often it's hard to kind of go, "Wait, doesn't really make sense to me." And this doesn't make sense to me, but it, it's amazing that it works. Another one. This is a tougher one. Um, uh, this is this is fascinating to me too. They they did a, they actually did a study on this, and they they. Um, did all kinds of variations on this, but it's basically a journaling study where you think of a, of a certain trauma in your life and you journal for at least 50, but no more than 30 minutes about that, either four days in a row or once a week for four weeks. Um, and they found out that it has to be at least 15 minutes, but more than 30 minutes doesn't matter. So these kind of things are kind of fast. But like, what? Okay. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> And, do it. and basically, it's you just start writing and keep writing the entire time. Don't stop. Just let everything flow—like what you think, what, what what you felt, who you were, what happened, those kind of things. But write, but go through these. And what they discovered is that participants—it it not only helped them mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Like, they basically their immune systems were boosted by doing this. By doing this, they slept better. By doing this, there's a, there's there's something about this ability to kind of walk this through. Um, that's amazing. And so for me, like kind of all this science kind of leads me to, to prayer, which I feel like is also most the, the ultimate metacognition hack. Right? It's the ability to, to talk to this God who has this, this, this love and this kingdom and this, all these things for us and be able to work through these things in our, in our mind. And to be able to talk through and be, be present in them and to be present with him. It also leads us to relationship. It leads us to gathering. You know, it's true that being with joyful people can help you be joyful. And I'm not talking about like those freaks that just smile all the time and, you know what I mean? No. But you know what I mean? Like, but truly joyful. But being around, sorry, being around truly joyful people um, is a way to be joyful. And usually those people that are truly joyful are the ones who've experienced deep loss and pain. And we'll, we'll, and we'll walk that through with you. Becca is going to actually this morning talk about some, some new opportunities we have for connection in the parish. Um, but it, it is so true um, that, that, that we are your people. Um, so please do look around. Please connect. Please reach out. Please converse. Please process. Please pray together. And together as we, in this journey, we can find a joy that is deep soul contentment. In this time and for the rest of the year, let's be people of joy, singing joy to the world, because the truth of God has come, and the hope that we will once have is to be together I'm thankful, and I'm thankful to be in a place where we can process these things together and find joy and live joy and walk joy. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to LuminousAnglican.com. Peace be with you.